Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with his sermon entitled, John Prepares the Way, preached on January 26, 1997. Now please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. Greetings to all of you in the Lord's name. This morning we want to speak to you concerning the ministry of the messenger of the Lord from Matthew 3, 1 through 12. Now you remember Matthew 2 concluded by telling us how Joseph was supernaturally guided not to settle down in Bethlehem but to settle down in the north in Nazareth that Jesus might be called a Nazarene, one who is despised. And now Matthew 3 introduces the person and ministry of John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. He introduces this John the Baptizer, the messenger of Jesus, abruptly, very abruptly, saying in those days John the Baptizer came. But Luke 3 gives us a more precise time of the ministry of this messenger. He came onto the scene in A.D. 27. So let's look at this messenger. John was the only son of an elderly couple, priest Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. He was the miracle son, just like Isaac. God enabled this elderly couple to have this son. As God enabled Abraham and Sarah to have Isaac in their old days. He was son of a priest. And he was born, we are told, about six months earlier than Jesus at his birth, his own father prophesied concerning him that he would be the prophet of the Most High to go before the Lord, to prepare the way for him, to give people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. The parents of this man probably died when John was very young, and he went out into the desert of Judea, north of the Dead Sea, near Jordan River. He grew up in the desert and became a man of great conviction, a man of sensitivity to God's requirement of righteousness. He was an ascetic. He dressed like the prophets of old, we read about the dress of prophets in Zechariah 13 and verse 4 and 2 Kings 1 verse 8. This man wore garment of coarse camel hair and leather belt. He wore no designer garments. He ate only wild honey available in the rocky desert and roasted large grasshoppers. Now we are told in Leviticus chapter 11, it's okay to eat grasshoppers. 
His very life, in other words, was a rebuke to the self-indulgent worldly people of the day. He came in the spirit and power of Elijah. He's anointed of the spirit. He was rugged and passionate, full of zeal and conviction, fearless of people, ready to confront the sinful, whoever they are. He came in fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy that John would become the prophet of the Most High. He came in fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy that speaks about the voice of the one calling, the one who will prepare the way of the Lord. He came in fulfillment of Malachi's prophecy which says, see, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before the Lord. Suddenly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon John in the desert of Judea. Yes, we are told by St. Luke, the word of the Lord came to John in the desert. Yes, finally, after 400 years of silence, God has sent a prophet in the person of John. Once again, the Spirit of God is active. God is speaking again. What a surprise. Multitude of people were going out to the desert to see and hear this prophet. Let me tell you, God is faithful to his covenant. God still loves and cares for his people. Therefore, the word of the Lord is coming through this messenger of the Lord, John the Baptizer. Secular historians like Josephus even makes reference to this messenger concerning his preaching of righteousness and how he was murdered by Herod Antipas. John the baptizer was just the voice. He was a self-effacing person. Yes, he was the advanced man of Jesus Christ, his messenger, his herald, his ambassador. Yet he declared that he was not the Christ. He denied that he was Elijah. He denied that he was the prophet. He was only a messenger. The importance is not in the messenger, but in the message that he is bringing. He is the voice. He has a message. He was only the preparer of the way in human hearts for the coming of the Lord. He came to make smooth and remove obstacles from human hearts, from the elect people of God, that they may receive the king who is coming without delay. As a messenger, his person is not important. But his message is, get ready. Prepare the way of the Lord. Repent. Humble yourselves. Forsake your way of sin. The king is coming. The king is coming. The king is coming. He is the runner before the chariot. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not the bridegroom. He is just the friend of the bridegroom. He rejoices. With inexpressible joy. 
at the success of the one who is coming, the bridegroom, whose is the bride. The baptizer desires that he may decrease and this king who is coming may increase greatly. He is fully aware of his calling and his limitations, you know. There are a lot of people, they are not interested in their limitation. Look at Korah. He wanted to grasp the priesthood also. But here is one who knew his calling and he knew his limitation and he rejoices greatly in his calling and in his limitation. And let me tell you, he's a man of great humility. He says he is unfit to untie the sandals of this king who is coming and carry it. In other words, he says, not only I'm just a messenger, just a voice, but I am less than the least of all slaves. Unworthy. Let's look at his message. First, let me tell you, we are told in John chapter 1 and verse 6, this man was sent from God. Let me say something about that. If you are not sent from God... You will have no courage and you will have no message. You can have a lot of people and can have a lot of missionary conferences and you can emotionally appeal to these people and little kids, they got a calling. But the question is, are you called by God? Are you commissioned by God? Are you sent by God? Paul says, not sent from men, nor by a man. And when we wonder how this man can be so bold and so fearless, so courageous to denounce the sin of the high and mighty and call a whole nation to repentance, let me tell you, he's called by God, sent from God. And he received a message from God. St. Luke tells us the word of the Lord came to him in the desert. And if you are called by God, and sent from God. The word of the Lord will come to you. And you shall declare it without fear. A number of preachers are hirelings. They have to pay mortgages. And they have no word. They will speak smooth things. They are afraid. They are fearful. But let me tell you. If you are sent from God. You will be like John the Baptist, passionate, full of conviction, has a word, and always points people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, he was sent from God. He was the prophet of the Most High, the last prophet in the tradition of prophets. In John the prophet's mission has come to an end. The prophets prophesied, remember, Concerning the coming of the Messiah. Someday. John as the last prophet points to the Messiah. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Andrew told Peter. Remember this was the message. We have found what? The Messiah. Why John the baptizer disclosed to Andrew his disciple and said. That one is the Messiah. 
Nor I. That one is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I tell you, John's message was forthright and confrontational. Why the Spirit of God was upon him. He was inspired, anointed by God to declare the burden of the Lord. The word of God came to him. As ambassador of the king, he declared that word to the rich and to the famous and to the poor and to the powerful and to the high and mighty, to the Sadducees and to the Pharisees, to all alike. He declared, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was preaching, let me tell you. Kerusan preaching. It was an urgent message, an accurate message. It was an authoritative message. It was a fearless message. Why fear? John was sent from God as ambassador of the king. Let me tell you, he offended many self-righteous and complacent people. Greek philosopher Diogenes said, he who never offended anyone, never did anyone any good. John's message was not a soothing word. It cut into the very heart of many. His message shook up all people. Repent. Confess your sins. Believe in God. Escape the wrath of God or be judged by this coming king. He said, you are full of sin. You have turned away from the covenant of the Lord. You have wandered away. You have altogether become filthy. You need to return to the Lord of the covenant. Teshuvah. Repentance is necessary. Return to worship and serve him. To live once again by his righteous law. Forsake all idolatries and return to covenant loyalty. You see, this is not a Greek concept. In the Greek world, there was no conception of repentance. A radical change of one's life for the good. This is thoroughly Hebrew understanding. The prophets spoke about this so many times. In the Old Testament. Turn once for all. From your sinful way of life. Be radically changed in your mind. In your will. And in your emotions. Grieve over your sins. Forsake evil thoughts. And think God's thoughts. And decide. Exercise your will to follow God. In belief. As well as in ethical behavior. He would not tolerate phony repentance of the lips. There must be a harmony between profession and conduct. Confession and conduct. There must be a radical change of mind and heart that leads to a complete turnabout of your life. He refuses to baptize anyone without the necessary precondition of genuine repentance. Everyone must repent. Repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. 
And if God by his spirit works in your heart and brings about regeneration, you will repent and you will believe. And your repentance will be godly repentance, meaning it will result in godliness. He who repents truly will repudiate evil lifestyle once and for all. Baptism doesn't result in forgiveness of your sins. And John the Baptist will not baptize anybody who did not repent. Baptism is a symbol and seal of an, an inward reality of genuine change. Oh, there were Jewish people who thought only, only that the Gentiles who wanted to be proselytes to Judaism, needed to be baptized. Oh, baptism is for the Gentiles. If a Gentile wanted to be a convert to Judaism, he must be circumcised, and he must baptize himself, dip himself in water, and he must assume the burden of the law, become a son of the law, and he must offer sacrifice, and so on. But John says, oh, no, no, not only the Gentiles, but Jews also are to repent and be baptized. It was shocking to the Jews, I say. Are Jews sinners too? <laughs> yes, he says, Jews are sinners too. There is no difference. All are sinners. All must repent. All are under God's wrath. All have wandered away from God's way. There is no one righteous. No one who understands. What about Pharisees? John, the descendants of the Hasidim, the Holy One, supporters of the Maccabean revolt, separatists from things Hellenistic, and secular students of the scriptures and adherents of the tradition of the elders remember pharisees believers in divine decrees and punctilious in their observance of the tradition of the elders you know them don't you they believe in resurrection in angels and in spirits and so on oh they believe in rituals they are separatists from unholy people. What about us? We are Pharisees from Jerusalem. What about us? We are holier than all as far as we can tell. No, he says, you must repent too. You too must change. I see through your lies, your deceit, your hypocrisy, your greed, your envy, your lust. You are all offspring of wipers. No one is exempt from this requirement of repentance. No salvation, no forgiveness of sins, no escape from king's wrath without repentance. Pharisees, I want you to know that. Whether they are Jewish Pharisees or Christian Pharisees. John, what about us Sadducees? We are the priestly aristocrats. We subscribe to the canon of scriptures. 
But unlike the Pharisees, we do not subscribe to the traditions of the elders. We like and embrace Greek culture. Of course, you know, we love the good life. We are rich people. We love money. And we are rationalistic. You know, we are educated people. We only believe in this life. We don't believe in the resurrection angels, spirits, and so on. We like the Romans and their governments. We like our position in the land. What about us? John. And he says, you too must repent. You are phonies too. You are liars. You are cheats. You are deceivers. You are oppressors. You are greedy. You are lovers of pleasure. You too are children of the vipers. Children of the devil. It took courage, let me tell you. To preach to these aristocrats the same message he preached to everybody else. No exception. All must repent and all must repent now. King is coming to save and to judge. And not only that, you better show your repentance in terms of ethical conduct. And the crowd came to him and said, what should we do? He says... Well, be generous. Share your food and share your clothing. Tax collectors came and said, what should we do? Do not cheat. Be just in your tax collecting. Soldiers came and said, you know, we don't make much money and, and we have to extort here and there. What do you say to that? Well, don't do it. Be content with your pay. In other words... John demands a righteous life as proof of repentance. He says, produce good fruit of obedience to the king's law. And then he also condemns the self-confidence of the Sadducees and the Pharisees and everybody else. What was their self-confidence? They said, I don't have to repent. I don't have to believe. I don't have to do anything. Family tree. We are Abraham's descendants. We are proud of it. Children of Abraham we are. My father was a minister. My mother was a minister's wife. I'm a pastor's kid. I lived next door to the church. I was baptized in the church. He says, I'm aware of your thought that because you physically descended from Abraham, you'll be automatically saved. Because you are circumcised, you will not be sent to hell. I understand your faith. I'm aware of your belief that the merits of the patriarchs will be sufficient for your salvation. The theology of the treasury of merit. That all descendants of Abraham will go straight to heaven, to eternal life, to the kingdom of God. I am aware of your false sense of eternal security this belief has produced in your life. He said, this is a lie. There is no treasury of merit. There is no eternal security for you who rest in Abraham's merit and refuse to believe as Abraham did. Your circumcision means nothing and avail nothing. 
Do not believe in circumcision. Do not trust in rituals. Do not trust in family tree. He says. And then he tells them a secret. That God is almighty. He doesn't need you. It's very disappointing to hear that. The aseity of God. God is self-existing, self-sufficient, eternal, infinite God who doesn't need creation. And he says, God is able to raise children for Abraham from these stones. Oh, God created Adam out of the dust. God is able to create children for Abraham out of dead stones. Don't think too much about yourselves. He does not even need stones as far as I'm concerned. He can create out of nothing as he created the universe out of nothing. He can create a people who love God as Abraham loved even out of pagan Gentiles. God does not depend on the so-called chosen people, influential people, noble people, rich people, powerful people, smart people. We are told in the Bible, he chooses the foolish to shame the wise. I say he chooses the foolish to shame the wise, weak to shame the strong. He chooses the lowly things, the despised things, the nothings of the world. He chooses to nullify things that are. Let me tell you, he does not tolerate boasting of anyone in his presence. So forget about your claim to fame. Humble yourselves, repent and be saved. Maybe you need a little encouragement. So here is the encouragement John the messenger gives. Judgment is coming. Let me tell you, gospel is gospel only in the context of judgment and wrath of God. If there is no wrath of God, then there can be no gospel. So he gives some encouragement in his message. Flee from the wrath that is coming. He thundered. The holy God is intensely, let me say intensely, against any contradiction of his nature. He's not soft on sin. Let's not think that way. He's against sin. Every sin. He's against sinner and his sin every day. The wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. God is not pleased with sinners. He is not politically correct. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath abides on him. The just wrath of God abides on all who will not repent. So repent, he says, and escape this just wrath of the coming King. He says, repent, what? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is near. Kingdom of heaven is coming. In the king who is the Lord. Kingdom of heaven means the dynamic rule of God. That is about to come in the person of the Messiah. The kingdom of heaven is about to break into the kingdom of Satan. Soon the strong man will be bound. 
by the person and deeds of the Messiah, soon the sovereign rule of God in the person of Christ will defeat the devil and save all who trust in the king. Soon the kingdom of heaven in the person of Jesus will proclaim the good news to the poor, but also curses to the arrogant. Woe unto you, he would say. Soon judgment will be meted out to all who will not repent and prove their repentance by good fruit of good deeds. You need a little more encouragement? Let me give you the axe, that glistening and sharp instrument of destruction. The axe of God's wrath is already at the root of the trees. And who is wielding the axe? Not the messenger, but the Messiah himself. The axe is wielded by the Messiah himself. Total destruction of the defiant is coming, in other words. Trees are people, all people, Jew and Gentile. Soon judgment will be poured out by the Messiah. To whom Father has given all judgment... You need encouragement, take a look at the sharp, glistening axe that is already laid at the root of every tree. And then repent. Your rituals will not deliver you. Your rationalism will not deliver you. Your materialism will not deliver you. Your PC will not deliver you. Not only the political correctness, but your computer. Your science and technology will not deliver you. Your feminism will not deliver you. Your newly found religion will certainly not deliver you. Look at the axe. If that doesn't convince you, he introduces some other instrument, the winnowing fork. Take a good look at also the winnowing fork at the hand of the Messiah, the King. Remember, he said he came to divide. Read Matthew 10 and verse 35. He came to divide. He came to separate. Yes, look at the winnowing fork. The picture is that of a threshing floor at harvest time. The sheaves are threshed. The grains are separated. And then there is a good breeze. Now comes the separation of the grain from the chaff. See the one who takes the winnowing fork and throws into the air the mixture of grain and chaff. The heavy grain falls straight down, but the chaff falls down further away. Then the chaff is collected and thrown into the fire of divine wrath and judgment. David said in Psalm 1, the wicked are like chaff which the wind blows away. They will not stand in the fiery judgment. They are burned in the fire. As fruitless trees are cut down by the axe and burned in the fire. So he says, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Kingdom of heaven is the realm of eternal life. How can you enter into this realm of life? It is through repentance and faith. It is by relationship to the king. One enters into the kingdom of God. God requires repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God has come. He is the kingdom. 
he has defeated the powers of darkness and he is even now liberating sinners from the bondage of sin and Satan throughout the world even now. Turn with me to Matthew 11 where we read this after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? There is some doubt on the part of this messenger because of the hidden nature of the kingdom. The king assumes the role of a servant. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. The power of the kingdom has broken into the realm and domain of, the, of Satan. People are being released Hallelujah, the kingdom has come and it is still here. People are getting saved. Even now many are escaping the wrath of God through a vital relationship with Jesus Christ the King. But the kingdom of God also involves just judgment, the manifestation of God's wrath. And that judgment is coming soon. At Christ's second coming, He's coming again, we are told, with great glory and power. And he is coming that he may wield the axe of his wrath. The Bible uses this expression, the wrath of the Lamb is coming. Who can endure it? He will soon cut down and burn fruitless trees. He will soon separate wheat from chaff. He will soon burn the chaff in unquenchable and everlasting fire. There is a heaven, and let me tell you, there is a hell. There is eternal life, and there is eternal punishment. The same ark of the Lord, remember, the same ark of the Lord that blessed the house of Obedidim shall smite the Philistines. So listen to John the baptizer. He's the last prophet. He's introducing you to the promised Messiah. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He understood the basis of forgiveness. Is the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. There goes Andrew. You can see him. There goes John and others. They are following the Messiah now. Because John the messenger prepared their hearts for the Lord. They repented and they believed. This Lord is the Messiah. Jesus Christ. The Lamb of sacrifice for the sin of the whole world. Repent all of you. Rich, poor, sophisticated, unsophisticated. All young. Jews, Gentiles, male, female, slave, free, be saved, escape the wrath of the Lamb. Soon he is coming, and soon you shall die and enter into an eternity of shame. 
John Bunyan heard a voice. And this was the voice he heard. Will you leave your sins and go to heaven? Or will you have your sins and go to hell? God enabled him to leave his sins. And he went to heaven. Yes, the messenger said the same thing. And the master said the same thing. Here Jesus himself. He says repent. Here his apostles. He says repent. And be saved today. John can only baptize in cold water of John. It's a violent act to, to immerse you into the cold water. But let me tell you, the Lord will bring you in direct contact with the Holy Spirit and fire. It is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that will bring about change in your life. The Holy Spirit is likened to breath. And let me tell you, he is the breath that gives you life. Holy Spirit is likened to wind. And that speaks about power. And he will give you not only life. He will give you power. Mighty power. Holy Spirit is the creator of life. And let me tell you. He will recreate us. Holy Spirit is truth. And you will have a source of truth. In the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit also enlightens people and enable you to see the truth and appreciate the truth yes this one who is coming will baptize you in the holy spirit yea he will baptize you also in fire which i consider as a synonym for the holy spirit himself fire speaks about light and light in the midst of Darkness and atheism and foolishness and feminism and materialism and every kind of nonsense that is going on all around us. Fire also speaks about warmth in the freezing coldness of the world. You will be brought to have contact with this fire that will warm your soul. And not only that, fire speaks about purification. And this spirit of the living God, as he applies redemption into our, into our hearts, he will burn away falsehood and lies and deceit. He will cleanse us. Hallelujah. But let me tell you, fire stands for God. And we read our God is what? A consuming fire. The impenitent. The stubborn. The one who lifts his heel against God and his anointed. God will deal. And he will deal severely. And I want to give a call to repentance. If John the Baptist called for repentance, I cannot go away and conclude without Asking for repentance because I know there are people here. Sinners who are not saved must repent. And there are sinners who are saved must repent today.